You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. It is officially the holiday season. You got the tree up yet? Hours went up at Casa de Ryer yesterday afternoon. Speaking of Peter Brook, the chocolate lady, she knocked that baby out, man. Outstanding. Great looking tree. Uh, but as far as treats are concerned, you need to get by Peter Brook Chocolates here. Give them a call at 205-752-0211. They can take care of that special order for you as well. Peter Brook Chocolates here. Joined on the program by the executive producer for SFS, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 of sports talk radio. How about it, Jacob? It was a busy weekend for you, no doubt. You had high school football playoff action. Unfortunately, we lost ACA in a home defeat to Handley on Friday night. But good news on a couple of other teams fronts, right? Yeah, we got Gordo and we've got Pickens County both going to be playing in Bryant-Denny Stadium vying for that uh, illustrious Alabama State title. So uh, kudos to them, and hopefully they can come away with wins. But we're also, I mean, it it, it keeps rolling because we're also going to get our first look at Kool-Aid McKinstry inside Bryant-Denny Stadium as Pinson Valley also made it to the the, uh, 6A state title. They'll play Spanish Fort. Did Pinson, was was Pinson here a couple of years ago? I think they may have been with Bo Nix. I feel like I'm not not sure if Kool-Aid was a part of that, but I'd have to check. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be outstanding to see Pickens County. How about Pickens County, Jacob? Stand up, man. Reform in Gordo, Alabama. Stand up. 1A and 4A state finalists. Man, that's that's outstanding. It's awesome. It's high school football is what it is. We're going to get into some college football as well today, as you might expect. They had a little football game. Speaking of Bryant-Denny Stadium, Jacob, I hear I hear Saturday afternoon they had a scrimmage of a couple of the uh, in-state club football squads over there off the strip, off uh, University Drive and Bryant Drive. So we'll get into Alabama-Auburn, a deep dive, a review of that game 
obviously will be a big part of the program. We'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. It is a winners and losers Monday, so we're wide open at 205-342-9904. Come on, let's hear it. Let's get your thoughts. Was it about what you expected? I predicted 4123 Alabama. Ended up 42-13. So I didn't I didn't give the Alabama defense enough credit. And look, it's time that I fess up. It's time that I own up. Last couple of weeks, especially after the Kentucky game, I was on team we'll see as we get into Auburn and maybe even Arkansas on the road. Who knows about LSU coming up this week? Terrence Marshall Jr. going pro, opting out. So uh, that's another blow for an uh, LSU offense that mustered just seven points in a 20-7 to loss on Saturday night in College Station to the Texas A&M Aggies. So kudos, props to not only Steve Sarkeesian for stepping in for the ailing Nick Saban, doing the job he did. And look, a lot of the hay was already in the barn. You know, Nick was around for the prep work. Nick was around right up until 90 minutes before kickoff. So the heavy lifting had been done, but it's still easy, as Nick Saban would say, to go rat trap in that type of situation. You know, that wasn't New Mexico State in there Saturday. I know the score at the end kind of looked like maybe it was New Mexico State or Kent State. It was actually the Auburn Tigers, believe it or not. And so Sark uh, keeping that thing between the ditches and time to give it up for Pete Golding as well. He's been a whipping boy of sorts here the last couple of years. I wouldn't even say of sorts. I would say on a consistent basis, Pete Golding has heard it, felt it from the Alabama fan base. But I thought as much as anything, it was the Alabama defense on Searity that set the tone of that game. It started really with the opening kickoff. When you got Josh Job down there, he makes the tackle. You get the flag on Alban. Backs Auburn up inside its own 10, and the defense immediately delivers a three and out. Now, took the offense a little bit of time. One thing Kevin Steele wasn't going to do is the defensive coordinator for Auburn on Saturday was watch Najee Harris go for 146 for a second straight year, especially after seeing what Tennessee and Ole Miss had done to his defense on the ground in recent games. So a concerted effort, I think you could call it, for Auburn to take away as much as it possibly could Alabama's advantage up front. And then, of course, with what Najee's able to do with the ball in his hands. Now, that concerted effort got him sluggoed, got him sluggoed there later in the first quarter. Little RPO action. Those safeties, they see that RPO action. They've got to respect the fake to the back when you're all in against the run like Auburn was. Secondarily, if you've watched any tape of Alabama the last couple of years, you know off of RPO action, the slant could be coming right at you from the field. So you squat, you take a step, and that's all it takes. Little double move. Mack with a little pump fake on the slant and off. Devontae Smith went just seven targets for Devontae. I think that's a season low for him. You know, he's been in double digits every week as far as targets go. But the thing about Devontae is if you give him seven, that's all he needs really because he turns them into seven catches for a 170 plus and a couple of touchdowns. So Devontae Smith doing Devontae Smith things. Mac Jones, the game manager. How about the game manager? Took care of business, didn't he? 
Nine touchdown passes now for Mac Jones in two career starts in the Iron Bowl. And eventually that run game did get going uh, enough. Season low, 11 carries for Najee Harris, but he still goes for 96 yards, scores a touchdown. You didn't like the fumble from Brian Robinson there in the fourth quarter down inside the Auburn five. Not so much even because it turns that into, what would that have been, a 49-6 to game at that point? Not even because of the score, but because of what you need him to be as the primary backup to Najee Harris. The first thing the backup's got to be is dependable. And it's not like Brian Robinson has a fumbling problem. It just seems like when he does fumble, he fumbles inside the five. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolate Tier Studio line. But a team-wide effort in a thrashing of the Auburn Tigers on Saturday, uh, that defense, I keep going back to it because not just because of the play, but because of the youth, you know, you're still talking about another couple of three years of these guys, Brian branch, Malachi Moore with takeaways, uh, Tim Smith continuing to emerge on that defensive line, but you still have second year guys up there that are showing some good things. Justin, a had some early pressure from his defensive end position. Good to see LeBron Ray back, but these first and second year guys are developing at a rate under first year defensive line coach Freddie Roach that uh, you're doing pretty well with your with your with your young guys. Now Christian Barmore, you know he continues to to play at a pretty consistent level. I would say Will Anderson finally gets that first sack of his Alabama career, and I'm a big Fedarian Mathis fan, man. I know a lot of folks overlook Phil, but there's a reason why he's in that first group, and it's largely because he can be trusted to not jump into gaps that he's not supposed to jump into. He'll do his job, but he's also making some plays. He'll make some plays that, again, don't get much of a second look. He had a pass breakup, a hustling pass breakup there. I believe it was in the second quarter Saturday, right before Malachi's interception, I think where he comes from the nose tackle position, keeps stays in the play, and ends up making a pass breakup on a throw by Bo Nix back across the middle. I love some Fedarian Mathis. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with our good pal Johnny down in South Florida. Johnny, how are you doing on this Monday morning? I am good. How are you? We're okay. You know, it is officially winter, it feels like here. It is cold. It is steely gray out, and uh, the temperature is supposed to drop throughout the day. Maybe get into the the 30s, threatening the 20s tonight here in West Central Alabama. I, wow. I'm guessing it's not like that in South Florida at all. No, no. And ironically, I just left. Uh, I spent a week in Birmingham last week, so I just left yesterday, and uh, so I knew the cold was coming. But when the cold comes there, it means we have absolutely beautiful weather down here a couple days later. So looking forward to finally having a break in the heat down here. So there you go. But, uh, I got something for you. So I was thinking about it on the lovely 11, 12 hour drive yesterday. That, <laughs> uh, I enjoy your show. So it is the end of the semester or quarter, or I don't know how Alabama is set up, but it's the end of the semester. So how about a Southern fried final exam? I'm ready. Uh, well, I'm not ready. That, that sounds like pretty much all of my finals that I ever took 
But, uh, you know, I'll do my best. You know, if it's, if it, what, what are we talking about here, Johnny? What do you got in mind? Well, it's an easy, I think, it, I think you're prepared, but, uh, okay. in a simple, short final exam. So I'll throw a couple questions at you. So first of all, before I get started with the exam, I do have a question for you. I, when I was up there, obviously, uh, they mentioned the 10 day quarantine period for Saban. Now this does the 10th, the 10th day. Is that not next this Saturday? Is that still not going to wow. allow him to coach? I guess, um, it depends if Wednesday started the clock, right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would think Friday, wouldn't that be the 10th day of quarantine? Is Friday going to, okay. So he's good to coach then Saturday. Well, we're, you know, we're going to hear from Nick Saban at the top of the hour. So I'm going to hold off on going as far as to say with any type of affinity that he will coach this week. Um, but I'm sure we're going to hear more about that uh, at, at high noon central. Uh, but, you know, yeah. based on the math and, you know, he's got to go, he's got to go a certain amount of days to asymptomatic. You know, he can't still be showing signs of symptoms over a certain stretch of days and, and fall within the protocol and be ready to go. I, I would, I would list, if I was going to list Nick Saban right now, I think he's questionable. You know, I wouldn't say he's definitely out. I wouldn't say he's definitely in. I wouldn't say he's yeah. doubtful. I'd say I wouldn't say he's probable. I'd say he's questionable, Johnny. How's that? How's that for a bailout? Yeah, well, that's a <laughs> nice bailout. So it segues into question number one. Question number one on the final exam is: It is it is publicly known that Nick Saban yelled at the TV a couple of times, quote unquote. Other than the busted coverage over the middle, what were the other two times that he yelled at the TV? Ooh, the Seth Williams deep ball that you're talking about. That was the same, basically the same route that got smoke Monday by Devonte Smith. Just that Seth didn't hang on, on his, um, I would say even though at the time Auburn was six for 16 on third downs, um, uh, those three straight third downs in the fourth quarter, that Auburn converted, he probably didn't like, and I'll bet he didn't like the Brian Robinson fumble inside the five either. And, and, and I'll give you another right. Tim Smith offsides again. You know, you, you've seen what he's done yeah. with Tim Smith on the sideline. When Tim Smith has done that, when Nick's been there, I can only imagine, you know, the spittle that went up against the screen right. after uh, Tim Smith did that again. True or false. Steve Star- Sarkeesian will be coaching at Alabama next year. I'm going to go false. I just think that, you know, we're starting to see the tip of the iceberg in terms of job openings. I don't think Sark's going to just take some middle of the pack job like Arizona. I keep hearing Arizona coming open. Maybe someone's going to be out in Tucson and boy, what a natural fit that is for Sark. He's a West Coast guy. It's the Pac-12. He can recruit. And I get all that. But I, I think Sark can do better is my point. I, I've said it before, and I believe it more than ever, and it may or may not play out to be the case. I think I think Sark may very well get some interest from some NFL teams. You know? I mean, he is what the NFL wants. Brian Dable, the former Alabama offensive coordinator, now in Buffalo, he's being linked, at least secondarily, on some list to some NFL openings, potentially. So, I wouldn't be surprised if if you hear Sark Mentioned with some jobs. I can tell you this. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. 
based on what I've seen from Sark the last two years, and I understand at his last NFL gig, he was relieved of his duties at, at Atlanta a couple years ago. With what the Jags are going to do with one of those top two picks, and that means quarterback, and where it's going to look to build its team, rebuild its team, I, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars could do a lot worse than Steve Sarkeesian. And the, the well, there's two more quick questions. Next question: True or false? Devontae Smith will be the highest draft pick receiver in the draft. Well, I like the quiz, man. You came ready. I like these. Um, <laughs> Devontae Smith uh, should be should be the top uh, wide receiver taken in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm not sure about Terrace Marshall Jr. You know, now that he's opted out, I don't think that affects him negatively. Um, but I, I don't have any doubt. Devontae should be. The problem with Devontae is, you know, you take him to a combine, you, you put him through a pro day, and you just look at him, and you're automatically going to have concerns about durability and things like that. But then you put on the tape, and his toughness is one of the things you like best about the guy. His physicality. It belies. His body, it belies the way he plays and the strength that he plays with. So I'm going to go with Devonte as the first guy, I won't be surprised uh, if it's Jamar Chase. Um, you know, a healthy Jalen Waddle would have been in that discussion as well. So uh, Rondell Moore is going to be in that mix. Uh, you know, you've got some quality guys, but it's not. I don't think it's what it was last year. Put it that way. And a little side note to that is, you know, living here in South Florida, we have Tua, and Dolphins need receivers. And who has better chemistry with Tua is something to think about. Dolphins have a high pick. I think they have Houston's draft pick, which could put them up toward the top. Kind of makes mm -hmm. it an interesting thought. That um, could be right. Question, and, you know, where they pick yeah. throughout the draft could put them in some spots, not only for a wide receiver, but a running back, too. You know, and yep. uh, we know Alabama's got one that's going to be in this draft as well. Boy, I, I would be thrilled to have that legacy, you know, have that connection with, we already have two, uh, you know, have those guys come down here would make dolphins very interesting. But, and then the final question, uh, yes, it's a dig at Auburn fans, but the final question is, will Auburn fans and the, uh, the, the hierarchs at, at Auburn realize that they do not recruit on the level of Clemson, Ohio state and Alabama, and finally make a move at the coaching position to get somebody that can recruit at that level, true or false? Uh, for this time around, I'm going to say false. Uh, the buyout number, and look, I know that we said that about South Carolina, and they promptly wrote a check to Will Muschamp. But I think Gus is is seven to eight million higher than Will Muschamp's was at thirteen million ish. So, I think whether it's outwardly admitted or not, this year was sort of viewed as a Iron Bowl rebuilding year. Not just a rebuilding year, Johnny, an Iron Bowl rebuilding year because it'll give Gus time to get to the next Iron Bowl in Auburn. And we know Gus loves Iron Bowls on the Plains. And so it gives them a chance to get to next year's game against Alabama. And if he beats Alabama in Auburn again, um, 
I, I think if Auburn beats Alabama next year, I think you got to start thinking about Gus Malzahn finishes his career down there at that point. Which, you know, Crazy. honestly, as an Alabama fan, could be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> could be, but the guy's got three wins. He's got three wins over Alabama and Nick Saban. And when you look around, especially at annual opponents, uh, no one else can say that. And uh, look, I understand yeah. what you're saying. You're talking about in terms of a standard in which you're competing for national titles. Um, and Auburn is investing heavily right now in a new facility and things like that. So I do think the expectations of the program will go up. But if he goes nine and three next year, 10 and two, eight and four, even with an, a win over Alabama, he's going to be there. He's going to be there in 2022 as well. That's just, that's the way that's well, going to go with, I, with I Gus, I think. I understand totally what you're saying, but, uh, you know, I had some Auburn friends and, you know, and I try to be very polite and, and careful <laughs> in my words with them because they get very sensitive. They're and sensitive. I, and I yeah. just said, you know, touchy. Yeah, they are sensitive. I said, you know, that the bottom line is, is that when I, when I look at Alabama, you know, in that game, when I look at Alabama, I see NFL players on the field. And when I look at Auburn, I didn't see any NFL players on the field. You know, last year, I couldn't say that. You guys had some NFL guys on the defensive line and so forth. But that just, you know, I know, I know teams have rebuilding years, but as yeah. a whole, if you look at the NFL players from Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, they're, they're light years. Right. You're, you're talking if I was about, an Auburn fan, I'd be upset. You're, you're talking about elite programs. You're talking about four or five yep. programs, maybe six in the country that are truly elite and reloadable programs is what I would say. Everyone else, it's cyclical, right? And there's different levels mm -hmm. of that. There's Mississippi State cycles where it might be more once every six years that you hit it. And then there's Auburn and those programs that, you know, once every three years or maybe four years they hit it. But uh, I, I think that's sort of the teardom that we have right now in college football. Well, I'm happy to report you passed. You didn't need the curve. Oh, wow. You passed the exam. No summer school, Travis. <laughs> you know, I think back to my academic career, and it, it still amazes me. I never darkened a junior high or high school door during a summer, other than for summer workouts. It's the only time I went to summer school was to work out. Wow. Still amazing. Hey, I appreciate the examination there, Johnny. It's the kind I like at the age of 51. You know what I'm saying? There you go. I thought you would. All right. <laughs> care, All right, Travis. my man. Take care, Johnny. Appreciate the call. There you go. <laughs> I think Jacob got it. You know? Uh, boy, if there was ever a perfect timing for a rim shot, right? Oof. Hey, uh, let's take a break. And we'll come back with more. You know, other than history being made on Saturday, and I know if you're an Alabama fan, you, you could have taken another 12 hours of that Iron Bowl. Uh, it was nap-worthy in the Southeastern Conference. We'll go around the league a little bit. We'll talk about Sarah Fuller in her historic moment out there in Columbia, Missouri as well. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Monday right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. 
The top-ranked Alabama football team improved to 8-0 on the season with a dominant 42-13 victory over Auburn in the Iron Bowl on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Following the win, head coach Nick Saban addressed the media. Well, you know, this is a great win for our team. Uh, really proud of our players and our coaches. I think everybody really stepped up and, you know, did a, a really, really good job today. Uh, I think the energy was good. You know, the offense made a lot of explosive plays out there. Um, you know, defense really played well. And, uh, you know, it's just a great team win. I can't really ex explain it. I mean, this is an unusual circumstance for me to be in, to be watching from afar. I'll have more in a moment. Here's to the couches, the lawn chairs. That worn-in recliner imprinted by yours truly. These are your front row tickets to a very different college football season. And while you can't be at the game, Seaspire brings the crimson tide to you with the fastest internet speeds for home and business. Because slow is only good for replays. Oh. So call dibs on that seat next to the seven-layer dip. It's football season at Seaspire. Alabama women's basketball topped Houston 88-66 Sunday at Coleman Coliseum. Jasmine Walker scored a career-high 25 points to lead the tie to its second win of the year. Also, Alabama men's basketball returns to action tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central against Stanford in the Maui Invitational played in Asheville, North Carolina, and our radio coverage begins at 7.30. And that's your BAM Update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport. A very cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy temperatures dropping into the upper 30s by late afternoon. For tonight, gradual clearing with the low at 25. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 49. Wednesday's high, 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Man, we got some hoops tonight. Fired up about that. Caught some Alabama women's basketball yesterday at Coleman Coliseum. 2-0, Christy Curry's team now. After an 88-66 win over the Houston Cougars, my man James Ludeman repping Tide 100.9 down there at Coleman yesterday. Great catching up with James. He had you covered. And, uh... Yeah, that was a solid W for the Alabama women. Outscored Houston 32 to 8 from the free throw line. Think that was a little bit of a difference in the game? A little bit. Tide shooting right at 85% from the free throw line on 38 attempts. Not bad. Good stuff. And you got Alabama men tonight versus the Stanford Cardinal over there in Asheville, North Carolina. That's scheduled for an 8.30 tip on ESPN2. Now, you got games all day long over there in Asheville, so uh, it might be a little bit later, but you got nothing else to do on a Monday night. You really interested in that Eagles-Seahawks game tonight? Probably not. Now, Jacob Harrison, are we going to get your Steelers? Are the Steelers and the Ravens going to come off tomorrow? Is that the plan still? I really don't think the game will be played. Uh, I, I saw – Crazy. 
I saw just a moment ago from an NFL network guy, uh, Tom Palacero, and he says, um, if if all the Ravens COVID-19 tests come back negative this afternoon, the plan will be to practice and travel to Pittsburgh tonight. And if any more players or Tier 1 personnel test positive, the game is going to get postponed. And that's that's my feeling. It, it's been nonstop with those guys in Baltimore. That's been a S show over the last week or so, man. Trying to get that one together. What about the Broncos yesterday? Pulled up a practice squad receiver, played him at quarterback. <laughs> against the saints saints got Taysom hill going yeah i was interested in seeing that for about a series and then it kind of looked like what i thought it was going to look like and i was good i didn't need to see any more of the uh the donkeys and the saints but yeah alabama men's basketball tonight find out a little bit more about eight oats's squad following its season opening win last wednesday night here in tuscaloosa over jacksonville state stanford I don't know if this is an advantage or a disadvantage for Alabama. Stanford had its season opener last Wednesday canceled. They're supposed to play Utah Valley. It was canceled. So this is Stanford's season opening game. And I would think having that game against Jacksonville State would work to Alabama's benefit. But, you know, Stanford got a look at you on tape in that game because there are so many sort of new pieces rotationally anyway. I mean, you got a new point guard, obviously, in Javon Quinterly, and you've got some key contributors now coming off the bench like James Rojas, um, you know, Josh Primo. And so Stanford was able to get a little bit of a look at you, and you haven't really seen Stanford. You haven't seen Stanford this season, so that'll be interesting. Later this evening in Asheville, North Carolina. As for the Southeastern Conference outside of the Iron Bowl, I know, right? They actually play other games on the same Saturday that the Iron Bowl is contested. Kind of crazy when you think about it. But uh, Sarah Fuller, Vanderbilt University, soccer goalkeeper for the Commodores, makes Power 5 history when she appeared in the game. Boy, that was a stinker. Poor Derek Mason. Uh, against Missouri out in Columbia. Thankfully, you have to kick off once a game or unless you screw it up in terms of making a call on the coin flip or the second half call. Thankfully, Vanderbilt had to kick off once by rule pretty much or we wouldn't have seen Sarah Fuller on Saturday. And look, great moment. A great moment, I thought. And good for her. Good for Vanderbilt. Um, Do I think it should have taken a pandemic for this to come about because look, if we're being honest, that's why it happened Saturday. It happened because of a pandemic. It happened because of COVID-19 credit Sarah Fuller and Derek Mason for having the courage to facilitate what came about as a result of that. But I guess what I'm saying is this vibe or this hope that, Oh, well female kickers. Now power five programs are really going to be in the mark. No, they're not. First of all, there's just not a lot of girls doing it, not a lot of females doing it. A lot of females playing soccer, which I think on some college campuses, there have been years, maybe on a campus not too far from where I sit, that there have been some better options probably on the women's soccer team than what Alabama has run out there on the football field. I know in Tuscaloosa, there's been a better option at Casa de Ryer. Well, she hasn't always been at Casa de Ryer. She's been playing college basketball. 
But I can tell you going back to the summer of 2015 with our daughter Savannah and her resume, I'm not just talking about being a soccer player. I'm talking about a field goal kicker, a three-year varsity starter at the high school level and scoring over 120 career points, kicking for two different high schools at the varsity level. And then going to camps in the summer of 2015 like she did. She went to Florida. She went to Alabama. She went to Troy. You know, she went to the camps. She kicked with all these guys. A lot of guys you see still kicking at the FBS level. Savannah Ryer competed against. And one night, one summer night down in Troy, Alabama, she actually beat every guy in the camp in a longest man standing. Get it? Longest man, uh, last man standing contest and essentially what that is that's a knockout contest for field goals at a kicking camp they get all the kickers out there and you start from say an extra point and you keep going back until everybody misses and guess who didn't miss out of about 35 kickers at troy that night savannah ryer she beat them all then she goes to alabama a week later right here university of alabama nick saban Bobby Williams is a special teams coach. And you got Eddie Pinheiro. If you're an Alabama fan, you recall that name because he was at one time committed to Alabama. You also had Tucker McCann in that same class. Tucker McCann committed to Alabama as a kicker first. Alabama at the camp that Savannah attended fell in love, understandably so, with Eddie Pinheiro because he put on an absolute fireworks show that day over there at the, the indoor facility. And the... Uh, and the, and the Thomas Drew practice fields. But Savannah, out of about 50 or 60 kickers that day, finished top 10. Savannah Ryer made the all-Saban team that day at Alabama Specialist Camp. She was a top 10 kicker in Alabama's camp. So uh, there have been females out there that have been ready to do this. And there have been plenty of programs that have known about some of these females that were capable and ready to do what Sarah Fuller did and even more than what Sarah Fuller did on Saturday. But uh, a lot of programs whiffed. A lot of programs whiffed. And where it comes to Savannah, it wasn't as big of a deal to her at the time because she was a basketball player, you know. And here's where you won't see a lot of girls, a lot of women gravitate towards what Sarah Fuller did or is still hopefully going to do is because it's not worth it to them. Because they are in the mix for scholarships in their respective sports. Savannah had full rides in basketball. Why would she turn that down to go beg a power five football program to let her to what just walk on? She wasn't going to do that. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of girls, you know, stick with what they're doing right now because specialist scholarships are tough to come by and you can be elite I know a lot of young kickers. I know their parents, and they ask me, what can we do to get our kid recruited? Well, you can get him recruited, but if you're thinking in terms of a full ride, those are precious for specialists. There's just not a lot of them out there. Alabama's sort of been the exception to the rule, which makes some of their misevaluations all the tougher to digest because they've invested plenty of scholarships in kickers. It just hasn't worked out. Now, Will Reichard right now, looks like they finally got it right with Will Reichard. He has been literally perfect this year. But they had a stretch there of three or four years where they couldn't they couldn't figure it out at all. 
Um, you know, when you get to a point where you've got two kickers, a punter, and a long snapper on scholarship, and really all you have out of those three is a long snapper, you don't really have a kicker, and you still don't really have a punter, well, then you're, you're missing. You're missing there. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. But I take nothing away from Sarah Fuller. Congrats to her. It was awesome. I know a lot of team could have beens and team could have been bros and Uncle Rico sat on their couches Saturday and snorted and said, I could do that. Well, no, you couldn't, Bubba. No, you couldn't. And, uh, you know, she did what she was supposed to do. She did what they asked her to do. And she carried it out flawlessly. And I hope we see more of her. I hope we get to see her kick an extra point. And if you have a problem with Sarah Fuller and what she did on Saturday, well, your problem isn't with Sarah Fuller. Your problem's in the mirror. Maybe get some help with that. We're going to head to another break. We come back. More of Southern Fried Sports on a Monday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday. I don't think Jacob appreciated it so much because it came at the hands of the hated Cleveland Browns. You talk about Pittsburgh Steelers rivals. Uh, But the Jags did exactly what they needed to do yesterday. They kept it close against Baker Mayfield and the uh, Cleveland Browns, but came up just a couple of points short. And in the process, maintain possession of that number two overall selection for the 2021 NFL draft. Dave Caldwell, by the way, this was coming. This was coming for a while. I think a lot of folks were surprised Dave Caldwell was back this year. Dave Caldwell relieved of his duties as the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars following yesterday's loss. Um, And now it'll be interesting to see what the Jags do with Doug Marone, that coach. Um. And then when you talk about some other winners and losers from the sports weekend, how about uh, Derrick Henry as a big-time winner yesterday? Colts went into that game, COVIDed up, I think, on that defensive line. So you sort of had an idea of where this one might be headed. 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns for El Tractor Cito. He just keeps rolling, man. These folks, they can't give it up. Because they were convinced. And there's a lot of folks going back to when he came out of Yulee High School that won't give it up. Even after he's won a Heisman Trophy, even after he's led the NFL in rushing, that, ah, uh, he's limited. You know, he's not an every down back. You saw him catch the football effectively yesterday, too, by the way. And, you know, ah, uh, well, 27 for 178 
another one of those rubber stamp kind of lines for big Derrick Henry yesterday. Uh, we talked about the Derrick Mason firing at Vanderbilt. Man, I don't know what you do. I don't have any answers for Vanderbilt as far as its next head coach. I really don't because there's no way you're going to attract a guy like Steve Sarkeesian. You know, if you go the assistant route, you can go ahead and start about two tiers below Steve Sarkeesian. Because if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, as I've said, I don't take, I probably don't take the Arizona job, let alone Vanderbilt. And so if you're Vanderbilt, you start thinking, well, what about one of these G5 guys, you know, that are hot right now? What about a Billy Napier down at the University of Louisiana? Billy Napier isn't leaving Lafayette, Louisiana for Vanderbilt. You know, these G5 guys that are at the top of that level, they're making as much money as what Vanderbilt wants to pay its head coach now. It used to be if you were the coach at UL Lafayette, or as it was known back in the day, Southwest Louisiana, Raging Cajuns, you absolutely would take that jump. If nothing else, because of the financial impact, you were guaranteed to make quite a large sum, larger sum of money than you would at the G5 level. It's not that way anymore. These guys aren't in a hurry. You know, if they're going to leave, if Billy Napier's going to leave Lafayette, if he's going to leave Louisiana, it's probably going to be for South Carolina. It's not going to be for Vanderbilt. Now, Cecil Hurt and I had some had some fun via DM yesterday about what should be next for Vanderbilt. And he's in tune with what I've said about South Carolina. Time to triple option it up, man. Time to go back to it. Vanderbilt did it there for a while. Might be time to go back to the triple option. Why not? You're not going to recruit at the same level, near the same level. You're not going to recruit at the same level of Kentucky. You know? So you're going to have to be very different in how you go about it. And some people say, well, go for wide receivers, throw it all over the place. Well, sooner or later, you know, that that's going to run out because the preparation isn't as tough. The reason why you go triple option if you're Vanderbilt, is because nobody you play runs triple option, which means they have a real problem trying to get ready for you. We've heard Nick Saban talk about it. You know, Nick Saban's still upset about Georgia Southern in 2011. Ten-horn game. Remember that one? 300-plus yards rushing for Georgia Southern? Yeah, I still remember it. Hey, Tom's on hold at 205-342-9904. Let's go to Tom right now. Tom, how you doing, bud? Travis, how are you? I am good, sir. Good to hear from you. You too. Uh, enjoy the show, by the way. But a lot of times your uh, show falls during my lunch break. You know, i got to give priority where priority is due. Man, I would eat lunch over <laughs> listening to this show every time, bro. I mean, there's no you know doubt what it, about You know what, what the deal is? Uh, Travis, can I make a comment about the uh, Fuller? And her kicking. Absolutely. Let's hear it. <clears throat> I want you to uh, criticize this statement for me. Three years ago, Alabama fans, or three years in a row, the last three years, what were they saying about our kicker? Uh, not much. Not much positive. Exactly. And I was one of them. How many times have you heard this? Every time our kicker runs on the field, I get the hibby-jibby. <laughs> you heard yeah, that one <laughs> a little tick some some alabama fans get a little tick in the corner of their mouth you know uh, uh, exactly 
Now, let me tell you something, and I'm one of them. If Sarah Fuller had come down here and made extra points and field goals and took the sweat off our brow in that department, you would have heard all kind of people saying, well, she can do the job. She ought to be out there, <laughs> right or wrong. We don't well, care if somebody had landed from Mars. If they could have kicked, we would have took them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's the case. Here, here's what I'll tell you from personal experience, though, Tom. My daughter, as I said earlier. Oh, yeah. She was top 10 at Alabama, and she was good enough that Bobby Williams, who was then the special teams coach, made it a point during the camp to come up and talk to her specifically because she yeah. was kicking. She, she had just kicked like a 48-yarder and was moving back to 52. And he, he, he thought she was good enough, and, and, and they thought she was good enough that, that you know she was a top 10. But here's the thing, too, you know, I think there are special teams coaches out there like Bobby Williams that know there are people like Savannah that are capable of it. But taking that to your head coach, even in 2020, I just don't think there's a lot of special teams coaches that are going to run that up the flagpole, to be honest with you. I still don't I, think, I, I, I that think you're right. And I, and I, I think like you're Bobby right. Williams. I like Bobby Williams. But but we're just not to that point yet, I don't think. I, I, if I'm just being honest with you based on my personal experience – um, and, and I do think if, uh, you know, if, if we, if we start, and, and again, I don't think this is going to start this wave of females trying to kick footballs. I just don't, I, I, I there, there's not an, there's still not enough reward in it for them in terms of scholarships and things like that. Um, but that, that's just my, that's just my viewpoint on it. I, I, I think there have been times where, you know, once they've gotten teams have gotten into it and it hadn't gone well. They've been like, man, I, I'd, I'd be fine with someone like Sarah or Savannah right now, but well, you know, that's you something that you you've got to make a predetermined effort that you're actually going to go recruit these people. You know, you can't just do like Vanderbilt did and say, "Boy, we need a kicker. Let's go to the soccer team." I mean, it's got to start. Not higher. a bad place to start, though. No, it's not. And look, I, like I said, and I mean it. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled it happened. I'm thrilled for Sarah Fuller, but. It's not an approach that's sustainable to say, boy, we don't have a kicker. Let's go to the soccer team. Well, you know, there's another female kicker at Northridge High School right now where Savannah kicked that, in my yep. opinion, on some level, can kick at the next level. I don't well, know if she's Well, you know, I follow Savannah, but she and, should uh, be. she posted some really interesting uh, videos uh, this past summer, and she was out yeah. kicking, and uh, – well, I gotta tell you what, she looked pretty good to me. Uh, well, the, 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 thing, is, it, the but, thing is, Tom, she did it for three years at the varsity level in high school. At yeah, a high yeah, level. I, I, I knew so that. So it's, uh, it's not a novelty thing. It's not a you know she was quali She's qualified. But I'm thrilled for Sarah Fuller. Hey, Tom, we got to run to the break. Thanks all for right, calling, man. Travis, enjoy the show, buddy. There he goes. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you. Let's head to a final break. We come back. We'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. A very cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy temperatures dropping into the upper 30s by late afternoon. For tonight, gradual clearing with the low at 25. And for tomorrow and Wednesday, sunny both days. Behind tomorrow, 49. Wednesday's high, 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. 
the flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. are a great day for a white wedding, right? Absolutely. How about some Billy Idol on his 65th birthday? Yeah, that hurts a little bit as a kid of the 80s. Billy Idol, man. Talk about dominating MTV back when they actually showed music videos. That dude was all over it. All over it. Winners and losers on a Monday. We haven't gotten all these, by the way. I'm not sure if you saw it, but the Florida-Kentucky game, Mark Stoops, Head coach for the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky's up 10 to 7 late in the second quarter. It's like a minute 20 left. They get a stop. They get a stop of Florida, about to get the ball back, about to get off the field. And Kentucky, the only way it had a chance to compete in that game was to do what Kentucky does, and that's possess the football. And it had done that for the vast majority of the first half on Saturday. So with a minute 20 left in the second quarter and a rolling clock in Florida fix about to punt. Florida still has three timeouts, though. Mark Stoops decides with the ball at midfield, Florida's going to punt from midfield. We're not talking about Florida being backed up in its own end. Mark Stoops decided, hey, I'm going to burn the timeout here. Stop the clock with a minute 20 left. Okay. Florida punts it down inside the Kentucky five, I believe to the one actually. So Kentucky, of course, doesn't get a first down. Florida uses its three timeouts, which gives it the opportunity to do what? Return a punt for a touchdown and a 14 to 10 halftime lead. You had built your game plan. You had the game you wanted. Dominating the clock. And what do you do? You stop the clock to give Florida a chance to take a lead it would never relinquish for the rest of that game on Saturday that's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports thanks to Johnny and Tom for checking in on a winners and losers Monday didn't even get to talk about the uh, Mike Tyson Roy Jones fight I bought it I actually bought that thing Saturday night that's how bad the Saturday night football was I'm sitting there and I'm like this is awful I'm going to actually buy this Tyson exhibition it was fun Snoop Dogg dominated the, the broadcast. He absolutely owned it. At commentating, performing, the one and only Snoop. The Lunch Whistle on this Monday is brought to you by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Uh, always great stuff there at Southern Ale House. And you can still have Southern Ale House handle your Christmas spread. That's right. Never too early to start thinking about the old Christmas spread. Southern Ale House catering, a big part of what they do there. And you need to get that order in by Friday, December the 18th. That way it'll be ready for you on Wednesday, December the 23rd. Give them a call, 205-310-3625. Southern Ale House, great, great stuff. Thanks to Jacob Harrison. Thanks to you. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.